Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Prado Capital Podcast. Um, so on the, on the topic of election, and, and I think Kevin get it put it right, this is a very polarizing moment when a lot of people are uh, looking at this, uh, uh, at this country and it feels like there's so many views and they're, uh, either we're so far apart. And in fact, I know one couple <laughs> who is in therapy because of their political views. Uh, so certainly not a discord out there. Uh, and people are wondering, it feels different. Uh, what does it mean to the economy, to the markets, to my money? Uh, and the place to start, I think, is, is looking at this polarization is to uh, uh, realize that, that politics in general uh, they, they really touch, uh, the, the politics touches on, on, on our deeply held beliefs and core values and identity as individuals. And because of that, it tends to be a very emotional subject. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with feeling emotions because that's what makes us human. Uh, and it's absolutely fine to, to feel strongly about one political view or the other, uh, because as I said, it, it absolutely makes sense why. It's understandable. What, what I want to uh, caution people is that whenever you have these very strong emotions, and it doesn't have to be politics, by the way. It could be you're very fearful about the market. You're very excited about the market. All these emotions in general uh, uh, are, are not necessarily in the investor's best interest. In other words, it's important to uh, acknowledge these emotions and at the same time realize that, that there is a large body of literature in the academic community and in, practical, in the practical world when we find that, that making decisions that are clouded with emotion tends not to be in our best interest doesn't have to do with investing. Look around, anytime you have a strong emotion, you, you act on it, it usually is not the best uh, act you can take. So in that respect, uh, as part of this investment management that, that, that we provide and, and, and Greg and the team provides, uh, what we're trying to do is acknowledge these emotions and it's important to pay attention. At the same time, we need to disentangle them. We wanna make sure that whenever we make decisions with your money, they're not based on, on, on these feelings and how do we feel at the moment, but rather they are very pragmatic. We're looking at the numbers, we're looking at the data and the evidence and whatever decisions we make have to be based on data and evidence rather than emotions. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an emotional time. And I think that, 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 that to, to your question, um, Kevin, what this election and the polarization is doing is creating strong emotions. And it's, it's not uncommon that those strong emotions that, inv that investors have sometimes translate in actions they'd like to take with their money based on those emotions. But they are not in your best interest. Uh, I think you're better off really relying on, on Prado Capital and making sure that whatever decision you make is based on your financial goals and how can you get there uh, from point A to point B uh, while mitigating the risk. And, and I think that, that um, politics and, and, and elections uh, being so emotional quite often can lead investors to make the wrong decisions because it's not a data-driven decision. Yeah, that, that's great perspective, Apollo, around that idea of emotions. And it's very good to, for us all to keep that in mind, especially around this topic. So right. we're not, you know, there's a sense that investors should pay attention to the election and perhaps this event would cause markets to behave differently from usual. Is there anything we've seen from other election years that could provide some perspective and lessons for investors today? 
Right. And that's a, that's that's a great place to start, because when you look at the uh, uh, 2020, it's an election year and people look at it as if it, this is feels a little different because election years tend to carry more uncertainty uh, and, and, and perhaps that's not good for the market. So uh, what have we seen when you, when you look at the at the data? And again, everything that I'm going to do today is not try to make anybody feel good or bad about their decisions. I don't really you know, th those are yours. They're perfectly fine. I'm here to look at the numbers. What do the numbers tell you and what's the story? What's the ultimate uh, punchline and uh, when it comes to elections and politics? And, and to Kevin's first question, uh, what have we learned from other election years? Is, uh, how is the market behaving? And we have good data on the U.S. stock market going back to 1926. Uh, and, and we have it through this uh, market measure called the S&P. 500, which we've all heard about it. Uh, and, and it turns out that, interestingly enough, my, my dad is born in 1926, so I can talk about his lifetime. <laughs> he just turned 94 last week. Uh, and in his lifetime, uh, we have seen 23 different presidential elections. That's a good number to know. 23 elections uh, over the last 94 years or so since we have good data in the U.S. stock market. And when you look across these 23 different presidential elections and, and you average out, you average out the, uh, uh, the, the market return during these 23 years, what we see is that the average of these 23 um, uh, uh, election years is 11.3% up. So the market went up on average uh, by 11.3%, which by the way, it is not vastly different than non-election years. It's very similar to what you see in, in, in non-election years. So from that perspective, when you look at election, is, does, is, you know, what's the market doing? On average, it's roughly the same with non-election years. Um, and, uh, uh, and that's important to know. So it's not really spooky that, oh, in election years, by, by on average, you see that the market really tanks. Not really at all. Uh, but average means that sometimes the market goes up and sometimes the market might be negative. Uh, that's what averages do. It, it's just an average of, of ups and downs. Uh, and I thought it might be important to look and see how many out of these 23 elections did the market go up and how many did it go down? Uh, and when we, when we did that exercise, what we found is that 19, 19 out of the 23 elections, the market went up in that year. And it's only four out of the 23 that the market went down which is a little bit better uh, than the split between positive and negative years uh, in non-election years, but roughly the same. So once again, we don't see any strong evidence to see that election years should, be, should, should really cause investors to be uh, wary of, 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 of the market. Not, not at all. It just seems like it's, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up or down, but the preponderance of the time, 19 out of the 23 years, the market did go up in an election year. And I thought it might be also interesting to look at the four years that the market went down in an election year and see if there are any lessons from which we can learn uh, and, and help us with uh, today. So what are the four times when the market went down in an election year? Well, the first time that happened was in 1932. Uh, and in 1932, it was FDR versus Hoover, and we had an election year but there was also the Great Depression. In fact, the worst year of the Great Depression. Uh, so yeah, we had an election, but we also had the Great Depression. Uh, the next one after that was eight years later in 1940. Uh, and that was, uh, again, an election year. But that was the year when Germany invaded Europe. And it became obvious this would become a much larger war. And it took 60 years. 60 years of, of so many things and so much division in the country. You had civil movement. You had... Um, 
You had uh, a, a presidential candidate being shot and killed, uh, but it wasn't until 2000, uh, Bush versus Gore was, was the next time that we saw a negative year in an election. Uh, and that was a contested election, if you remember, uh, that, that, that went all the way to the Supreme Court. It was the, remember the gentleman with the little, looking through a little uh, hole with a chat, I didn't even know what a chat was, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, it, it was interesting that, that, that we sorted out, yeah, it was confusing for a little bit, but we sorted out and we moved on. Uh, and, and could that tie into uh, into uh, this election? And could it could is there something there about uh, maybe that the the, uh, the fact that it took longer? Well, it's possible. But you know, if you really look at the data, what you see is that 2000 was not only the year of the election, but it was the year when Pets.com and all these high flying tech stocks were going down, and and some of them were going bust. So there was the beginning of the dot com uh, uh, bust. And the last time we had a, a negative election uh, year was in 08 with obviously the financial crisis. So to me, the very first thing that I, that I, that I observed when I look at, at, at just, just these, these years is that it seemed that in every single case, in every single year when the market went down in an election, there was something a lot bigger going on in the world at the time rather than just the election itself. So you can point at the election, but there was something a lot bigger going on in the market that might have driven the election, uh, uh, the market down that year. So to me, one of the main theses that I'm going to come back over and over is that that politics is a variable when it comes to the stock market, but it is not the variable. I nobody can can account, but my hunch, this is my pure hunch, is that. Politics might account for maybe 5% or so of the market movement, uh, but there are other much bigger things uh, that, that impact the market. Uh, and I would not look at, 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 at politics and elections as being the driving force of the market. It's just not. And in fact, throughout this, uh, uh, I mean, I'm hoping to, to show you some examples that over and over and over again, uh, the same thing sum up. We like to associate and say, boy, that, that president or that market or that election caused uh, uh, the market to do one thing or another. It's just not the case. It's just not the case. Uh, uh, the market is driven by many, many other factors. And you know, politics and elections is one variable, but it's a relatively minor, minor variable. It's not a major one. Now, to be sure, there are times, and, 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 and we can reflect back at 2016, and that would be a good uh, place to start. Uh, there are times when uh, around election time, you might see volatility. You remember in 2016, the night when the election was called, the market tanked, just took a big drop, but by the end of the first day, it was up somehow. So it's not really clear. The market itself, in a way, doesn't know, <laughs> am I going to go up or down? Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if around election day, uh, there will be some uh, choppiness in the market. And, and the way I think about it is, if you take a rock and you throw it into a pond or a lake, uh, at the point of impact, the ripples tend to be pretty big. Uh, and, and that's kind of the market movement just around the election day. But as you move away from the point of impact from election days by, by days or weeks, those ripples tend to smooth out when they be, to the point where they become insignificant. So is it possible that we might see choppiness? Should you be prepared for that? Absolutely. But give it enough time and those ripples are going to smooth out. You're not going to notice them. Uh, so uh, again, it's, it's, uh, uh, to answer your question, Kevin, we have looked at it. There's nothing there in the data to suggest that elections uh, or, uh, uh, um, uh, or politics in general uh, are the driving force. But there are other bigger things uh, happening in the world that might drive the market. Yeah, th that's great, Apollo.
And, you know, one question that just came in that maybe we could take a, just a second on is, you know, thinking about those years where there was a negative return and there were big events surrounding it, a question that comes in, is COVID one of those kind of big events that we should consider this year? Oh, absolutely. If we're going to go back, let's say knock on wood, this year ends up being negative, And we, we look back 15, 20 years from now, will we think of the market going down because of the election or because of COVID? Uh, you know, so you're right. And that's exactly the point. You, you can look at the election and say it's a driving force uh, in the market when you put it relative to COVID. What matters more, the COVID or the, or, or the election? And, and I think most people would say, well, COVID is a lot more meaningful to the economy, to businesses, to the stock market than the election. That's exactly the point. So you, you got it. It's COVID in this year is a good example to say that, that, you know, election, we're paying so much attention, but there are much bigger forces driving the market. Um, and we'll come back to this over and over again. Yeah, that's well said. And you, you think about it, there's some investors out there that are pretty unfazed by the election. Um, you got others who are considering selling out their stocks based on the outcome. How much does it matter for the market having a Republican versus a, de a Democrat in the White House? And what about control of Congress? Right. And that's, uh, uh, you know, that's a really uh, uh, important one because uh, we, we uh, we do wonder, uh, does it, how much the, uh, does it matter having a, a Republican or a Democrat? And there's some people, again, if, if your party um, uh, wins, I can tell you right now that, that, that you're going to be very excited about the future, very optimistic about the market and the economy. If your party's on the losing end, chances are you're going to feel pessimistic about it. So in a few weeks, half the country will be optimistic, half the country will be pessimistic. Right now, everybody's uncertain, so <laughs> maybe everybody's a little concerned, which is okay, but we'll, we'll get through this in a few weeks. Um, now, what should you, uh, does, so coming back to your question, a Republican or Democrat in the White House, we've looked at that issue, um, and, 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 and this is what we found, is that when you look at, uh, not, not my dad's lifetime, but in this case, my own lifetime, I'm born in 1969, uh, when I was born, President Nixon was in office. And during the five years or so that President Nixon was in office, the market on average dropped by about uh, 3%, 2.9% on average through the five years that he was in office. And after that, a President Ford came along for a couple of years or so, and the market skyrocketed about 20% on average. And if you fast forward through the different presidents and the average annualized returns during their time in office uh, and, and, and go back uh, uh, and actually go all the way to the, to the present times, the one thing that becomes very apparent is that there is no discernible pattern that would tell you that having a Republican or a Democrat in the White House is better or worse for the markets. There is no pattern to show. There's no way that he can, that somebody can make that judgment. Um, and in fact, I would go a step further and suggest that a president should receive neither credit nor blame for what happens in the market during their time. We talked about President Nixon. Well, it just happened that when, when, when he was in office, uh, we went from the gold standard to fiat money, something that was been put in works way before his time. Uh, in, in, in the early 70s, uh, there was a conflict in the Middle East uh, and, and nothing that had to do with us, but to show their displeasure, OPEC imposed an oil embargo against the U.S. leading to 73, 74, which is a devastating time for the U.S. economy. Something, again, that, you know, you, you can say, well, it, it, it's your fault. You should get blamed for that. You look at President George W. Bush. Uh, you know, he walked in the office just as the dot-com was starting to go bust, something he had nothing to do with. 
uh, you know, 9-11 happened nine months into his term, uh, and that was planned for years. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, uh, he walked off at the very, very bottom of the financial crisis. So to me, should he receive blame for that? Not at all. I don't, I don't think that's, that's right. On the other hand, President Clinton happened to be in office when these tech giants were formed, when these companies were established, and that's when they took off. And talking about market timing, <laughs> left the office before they, uh, they start turning down in value. Uh, but again, it's not about assigning credit or blame. It's just just acknowledging that there are many other factors driving the market. Uh, and I would not suggest that you look at a president or you say, well, having a republic. The market goes up under Republicans. The market goes down under Democrats. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's not at all clear to me that having one or the other uh, is better or worse. Great. Um, and, you know, you think about those different presidents, different presidents have different agendas. Some are more business oriented, including tax cuts. Others emphasize social programs. How's the market impacted by these priorities? And what have we seen in terms of past market returns? Yeah, and that's one of the big questions that people are asking these days. And, and I think uh, uh, sometimes being a little, um, I won't say anxious, but, but just wondering about maybe a little uncertain about taxes and how is ta how are taxes going to impact the market and and sh and and, and sh shouldn't we make the move because I've heard from a few folks that hey if we have President Biden in the office oh my gosh I should sell all my holdings because taxes might go up. Well, there are a few considerations to have there, um, and 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 I'll start with this. Just the big point is that we looked at that issue and uh, and and anecdotally we we don't see a link between tax policy and market returns. Uh, and let me, let me illustrate what I mean by that. Uh, it's not that taxes don't matter, and, and that's not what I'm saying. It's something different, is that as an investor and what returns do you get, having a president that, that is focused on tax cuts versus not, uh, does that really matter to you as an investor? And, 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 and let's look at two examples, two presidents really well known for their tax cuts. And the first one is um, uh, President Ronald Reagan. Everybody knows the huge tax cuts uh, to the marginal income rates, uh, income tax rates uh, in, in the 80s. And, and if you looked at what the market did, if you had invested a dollar in the US stock market, in the S&P 500, uh, when he walked into the White House and, and, and took office, uh, by the time he left 80 years later, it would have more than tripled to $3.24. So a significant growth, triple the money in, in eight years um, uh, during a, a president who was really, really focused on, on, on tax cuts and very business friendly. The second one is President George W. Bush. We had not one round of tax cuts, but two and some specifically directed towards investments, uh, capital gains and dividends and so forth. And yet a dollar invested when he took office, by the time he left eight years later, it would have turned into a, you know, into a, a mere 70 cents. So to me, tax policy and tax cuts are not a guarantee that you're gonna see good market results. Uh, it's just not. And, and on the other hand, you have somebody who has more social programs on the agenda, higher uh, priority on the agenda, uh, and that's President Obama. You know, obviously, we know Obamacare, which has helped tremendously so many people. Um, and uh, and yet, when you uh, when you when you look at the market, a dollar invested at the beginning of his tenure would have tripled to three dollars and twenty eight cents by the time he left. 
which is remarkable because it is almost identical to what happened during President Reagan. So whether you have a president that has social programs in mind, and so many people were concerned, like we have a socialist in the White House, and oh my gosh, we're done with this, and yet the market did pretty much identically identically to what it did during the you know the 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 reagan years so it's not clear to me that that you should bail out on the market because of this more so you know among these 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 folks so far except for um president ford president clinton had a very high average over his tenure even though we did have some tax increases in that time uh, and again it didn't really seem to impact the market and that drives to a bigger point uh that that i think it's uh it's worth making uh kevin that taxes are a complicated thing, complicated thing. And I know, you know, you have White Plains, it's New York. I live in California. And, and I'm, I'm not speaking out of place here, but whenever we had the tax cuts from uh, a few years ago, the impact on those tax cuts was quite uneven. You, you heard so many stories that in some parts of the country, uh, the, uh, the taxes went down for folks. In other parts of the country, New York uh, and, uh, uh, and California, for example, they actually went up for quite a significant number of people because you couldn't deduct this thing local taxes. So even when you have a tax cut, it might not materialize into actually keeping more money uh, in your pocket. For many people, it wasn't a tax cut. Um, and even so, the, the last point that I'll make on this, if people are concerned, well, what if President Biden comes and maybe the tax rates for companies goes up? Well, up until three years ago, they were pretty high. I mean, we're relative to the rest of the world. Now they're really low relative to the rest of the world. But did companies not operate? Did the market not do well before the, the last round of tax cuts? Not at all. It was doing just fine. Companies will find a way to make it work. They'll create a subsidiaries in, in some other country and then do some you know, transfer pricing to put assets there and, and recognize profits in a lower uh, tax uh, jurisdiction. They've done this for years. I mean, for, if not you know, more than <laughs> decades and decades. So it's nothing new. If the tax rate changes, they'll figure it out. If they get to keep a little bit less than they do now, it's not devastating. It's not a catastrophe. Um, and I'm not sure why, why this thought that, that I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard somebody saying, we're going to take the entire profits that a company makes. No, if any of the tax rates go up a little bit, you know, there was a big tax cut um, and they, these companies will figure it out. And it's exactly the same for individuals. For, the, for many, many years, tax rates were pretty high. And, uh, and, 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 and frankly, there are investment products like tax managed funds who are designed specifically to address these needs. Now, after the Bush tax cuts, they, they weren't on the front burner as much as they were. But trust me, Prado has tools at their disposal, whether in terms of investment solutions or strategies they do to mitigate taxes. It's not something new. So even if taxes go up, as I said, you know, and I don't know that that why is such a doom and gloom. We've seen higher taxes, and I'll come back to this uh, perhaps later. But I don't, I don't particularly think that that should be the reason that uh, that you should sell out of the market. There is no evidence to show that 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 would lead to uh, a bad result for you as an investor. Yeah, that, that really well said there, Apollo. And sticking with the, with that idea, you know, analysts in the media are offering plenty of conjecture around the election. Some advising investors that a win by Joe Biden might be good for alternative energy stocks in the construction sector. You know, others say Trump's re-election could benefit oil companies, coal and steel. Should we change allocations based on this advice in order to capture these opportunities? 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, mean, I think it's a good line of thinking because not only what <laughs> should I make a move here that actually would benefit my portfolio, forget about like, you know, losing, but what, what can I do to benefit? Um, and, uh, and, and there's certainly a lot of analysts to do it. The first thing that I would tell you folks is that all these expectations about what a company might do given on each presidency, this is known to every single market participant out there. This is not something that you know, if we had thought about it, nobody else in the world, maybe that, that, that could give you an edge. But the reality is that everybody's looking at the same poll data. Everybody's looking at the same policies. Everything is known. And because of that, the prices of these companies today reflect already those expectations that, hey, if, if we have uh, President Biden in office, that will lead to, uh, uh, to maybe a growth in some area or, or the other. Uh, but, but I think it is also important to, to kind of look at the natural experiment that we've had the last few years and, and just, you know, without judgment at all on the policy being good or bad, uh, to see as an investor, what was the outcome uh, of, of, of having a government who's really supportive of certain industries? And, and, and we know that for the past three or four years, uh, the government has been extremely supportive of about three, energy, uh, three uh, uh, sectors that are really, really, uh, is not a secret to anybody, they may know secret. And in fact, again, it's a priority. I'm not saying it's good or bad at all. It's, it's, it's just looking at the data. Uh, and, and we know that fossil fuel, coal, and stainless steel were high on the priority agenda for the administration. Uh, and, and in that respect, uh, uh, the question is, how did those industries do when you have friends in high places, when you have a, an administration supportive of those uh, sectors of those uh, of those industries um, and 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 to do that I mean you can start with uh, uh, coal uh, when you look at coal and you take a company uh, and, and I'm, you know you can you can look at all the coal companies but but certainly hasn't been a, a great uh, a growth in, in the coal industry even with those the support uh, in fact it's been once again it's, it's been in decline uh, but look you take oil fossil fuels and 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 again high on the priority how did how did how did energy companies do and and to take one of them as an illustration, uh, look at Exxon. Exxon, which is the largest, uh, was the largest company in the market 10 years ago. Uh, you know, you look at the last three or four years, uh, under, you know, under the current conditions and, and, and it lost half its value, even as the market has been going up. Uh, and it's not to say that, that, that the administration had anything to do with this. That's exactly the point. It had nothing to do with it. There are other bigger things in the world that might drive uh, the price of, of, of uh, Exxon, uh, the stock price uh, down. But it didn't mean that if you had that uh, knowledge, oh, we're going to have a new president supportive of Exxon, that will translate, or not Exxon, but the energy, the fossil fuel in the, uh, industry, that did not translate into great success for you as an investor. It just didn't. What about steel? We had tariffs put in place. And when you look at uh, U.S. steel and the price per share of U.S. steel, uh, it's remarkable because at some point we know there were tariffs. Well, this is when the tariffs came in. Uh, you know, and, and if you look at the early uh, 2018 and, and what the tariffs meant to the stock price, there was a little bump for, you know, but by the time the steel, the steel tariffs were imposed, ever since then, it's been a, a, a downward trend in the stock price, even as you have these tariffs in place, even if you have the support of the U.S. government. So in that respect, again, it comes back to the same thing, that there are other things moving the market and the politics and the policies don't get carried away because it does not translate into success as an investor. And the opposite could be true. If you're looking at companies that 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 really um, are not, you know, uh, supported, like you talked about, Joe Biden uh, uh, being supportive of 
more renewable uh, uh, energy. And, and in that case, you know, from an environment perspective, you think that that electric cars would be beneficial. And certainly that, that hasn't been a priority. Um, and we know that at the end of last year, in fact, um, uh, uh, there was a tax uh, the, uh, the rebate that, that was uh, taken off the table. Uh, and that was really supporting sales for Tesla, for example, and, and GM. Uh, and as the article points out, uh, but what's interesting is that at that point you say, well, this can be good because you really don't have an advocate there uh, to electric cars, uh, particularly when some of these taxes get, get cut. And yet at the same time, since this tax was removed and was taken away, uh, the Tesla stock price has been going up. And in fact, it's up over 400% since then. So again, it kind of goes to show that there are other things driving the market and, and, and stock prices rather than, um, than, uh, uh, than, than who's in the White House. Great, really appreciate that. And you know, ultimately from what you're saying, it seems that from an investment perspective, it doesn't really matter who wins, you know, and we shouldn't make changes to our allocations. Ultimately, though, why do we see those results? What's the underlying reason for the optimism in the future during uncertain times? Yeah, and that's 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 actually the key question. Why is it? I'm just I'm just optimistic by nature, and you should follow along with me. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm uh, well, the ultimate why to your question, Kevin, is the ultimate why is because when we buy ownership in companies, we uh, uh, are entitled to partake in the profits that the company makes. That's really important. So profits drive the value of, of a share of a company because that's why you buy a share so you can take part in the profits. So if you think of a profits of companies, whether it's uh, Coca-Cola or McDonald's or Facebook or Amazon, those profits are likely driven by their products what competition they have, uh, strategy, how they execute the strategy, what might be going on in the world at the time. Uh, and those considerations are much, much more relevant than who's in the White House. So to me, think about this. What is driving the profits of Coca-Cola and McDonald's? Is it the White House or is it something that is under their own control? Um, and to me, absolutely, without a doubt, it's the company itself can focus on things that drive products, I think is, is, is just incredibly important. Consumer tastes uh, is, is incredibly important. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, do you believe sincerely, that consumers will change behavior and will consume fewer blueberries or, or change their, uh, their behavior in response to the election of who's in the, in the office. Do you really believe that companies will cease to seek profit opportunities because one president is in office or the other? Uh, they will try to figure it out under any administration. You know, it's again, there, it's, it's, it's one of those things that even if you look at over the last few years, uh, we have had uh, companies who have been challenged a bit because of the trade wars and the tariffs, and they figured it out. And this is, this is it was not easy. I know a lot of business people are really um, frustrated and, 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 and just the life is harder because of all the uncertainty of policies and trade war, but they made it work. They figured it out. And I think that my optimism doesn't come from just, just my nature, probably to some degree, but I really believe that markets are resilient because people are resilient and companies are resilient. That's why I think that that's, that's the source of it. And this resiliency, you can actually see it um, not just in, 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 in politics. I think that the, probably one of my, 
in one of the most interesting examples that I found is looking at this resilience during really, really, really dark times. And we haven't had many, particularly in our lifetime. This is one of them. Uh, but if we can ask our parents, probably the darkest days of our parents' generation was World War II. And if you look at World War II and you take a time machine back to 1936, you see that that uh, the Olympics were in Berlin, and then in 1937, uh, there was a drop in the market almost as big as the financial crisis. So you lost more than a third of the value in the market, uh, which is, you know, could be, I mean, it's, it's, it's really terrifying to see these numbers. Uh, but in 1938, there was a rebound, 39, 40, and 41 by the time uh, the U.S. entered the war, uh, once you had a, a string of negative years. And, and picture yourself, you're now an investor. It's, it's December 1941. The U.S. just entered the war. We just had Pearl Harbor. Um, and you're, you're in a dimly lit living room somewhere in a, in a late evening on a, on, a, on a Thursday, and you're thinking to yourself, boy, what should I be doing on my money? How is investing looking? And, and look at the things that are stacked against you. Four out of the last five years, you've lost your shirt in the market. Um, you know, you, 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 you look at the war and, and the millions of people are dying. Cities are being destroyed. And on top of that, on top of that, the marginal tax rate uh, at the highest level back in those days was 90%. Today is 37%. And certainly there are deductions and other things that have changed. But think about this. 90% was the highest marginal tax rate. How would you have felt as an investor? Boy, this can be good. This can be good. And, and it's the last place that I want to do is, is be invested in the market. Um, but what's remarkable is that during the darkest days of our parents' generation, in every single year of the war, the U.S. market went up and went up quite significantly to the point where a dollar invested at the beginning uh, would have pretty much doubled by the end of the war. So uh, it's just remarkable that, that even in those dark days, the market was resilient. And, and where did this resiliency come from? Well, it was this free markets. In free markets, companies will seek opportunities irrespective of the, what's going on and what's the state of the world. And back in those days, there's so many, uh, uh, there's so much evidence that, that companies like, like a Ford, GM and Chrysler, instead of making cars, they were making tanks and they were selling them to the government. Uh, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing today. They were making ventilators. Breweries are, 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 are distilleries are brewing uh, hand sanitizer instead of spirits because that's what was needed. And I think it's the free markets that, that this this capitalism uh, that that the uh, that that I really am that gives me the optimism because these companies will find a way to make it work. I have no doubt. They're really smart people. They've been through a lot, uh, and this is just one of the other things they'll have to navigate and figure out. Uh, how to get through it. But I have no doubt in my mind that, that unless that changes the free market uh, capitalist uh, um, uh, nature of our uh, economy, uh, we're going to navigate these and we're going to come out stronger at the other end. Yeah, that, that it, great points all around, Apollo, and I so appreciate your perspective. And, you know, as we sit here and we think ahead to the election, and it feels there's like this cloud of uncertainty. But if we look to the past and we look to, honestly, capitalism, um, there's a lot of reasons to feel calm when we think about the entire history of events. So, um, so much good perspective from you. And I think it's really valuable as we head into this election season. Um, so go ahead, Apollo. Sorry. 
I just want to, I, I, I agree with you and, and keep your head because this is going to be a little roller coaster. It's going to be fine. We're going to come out of it. It's, it's, it's going to be settled one way or another. Uh, it's just don't carry it away with emotion. And to the degree that you can put some earmuffs and <laughs> try to block some of this noise. And Greg was talking about that is, is tune out the noise uh, because really it does not help you as an investor. It's not, it, there is a lot of emotional things going on. But as an investor, there's nothing there that would be useful for you to make with your money. I think the best thing is look at the financial plan that Trader built for you. Understand that you diversify between equities. You have some bonds in there. You have U.S., you have international. And all of this is going to get you through. Uh, and ultimately, you're on track to meet your financial goals. Again, thanks for being with us today. And please follow us on all our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We look forward to seeing you on the other side.